I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West yes. London. Uh, bluer skies still, I would assume, in Catalonia. Oh. And we were going to be talking about the, the classic, obviously, uh, Xavi's Barcelona winning 4 No, It's not the only thing that happened. Uh, big FA Cup semifinals That's in right. this country. Big win for, for Bayern. Milan staying top in Serie A. Oh, and we'll have to mention Paris Saint-Germain at some no. point. We'll get to that, we'll get to that. But, all right, well, obviously, to start, we've all been telling you how hyped and how this is the biggest game in the universe. Yes. It turned out to be entirely one-sided. And I suggest, with Sid Lowe, we start out, because I think, so correct me if I'm wrong, there will be criticism for, of Real Madrid and their manager, and there will be praise for Barcelona. Shall we start out by being nice and praising Barca? Yeah. Yeah, should we start with the nice bit and then move on and get the knives out in a minute or two? Um, Barcelona were, were brilliant. They managed the game, I thought, really, really well. And, and Barcelona were very, very well-deserving of the victory. We're going to get back into Barcelona, find ways to mm. praise him, find ways to praise. I, I love the little Dembele on Nacho thing. I know you love your little... Why is, why is Nacho even starting a left-back against Dembele? How crazy is that? Why don't you put Alaba and just put Nacho as centre-back? This, this was the first mistake of many that Carlo Ancelotti made from his starting 11 to the substitution everything you queued this up obviously no Karim Benzema and if people want to argue who is Benzema more important to Real Madrid or Bayern to uh, sorry or Lewandowski to Bayern Munich I think we kind of have the answer we do. here um, now I made this point and said feel free to correct me if I'm wrong that when you're generational superstar is missing the conservative thing conservative managers do especially when they have a big lead is okay we'll just re replace this guy who's really really good with a guy who plays the exact same position but is a lot worse uh whether his name is mariano diaz or yep. or jovic or or maybe we adapt somebody else who's okay like asensio maybe you know some false nine stuff whatever right instead he said uh-huh I'm going to pull a page out of the Guardiola playbook. I'm going to think way outside the box. I'm going to play this weird diamond system with, you can call Luka Modric a false nine, and many times it actually looked like it was Modric and Tony Kroos who were the two furthest up. Yeah. So you have one guy who's 36 and one guy who's 32 trying to press, trying to disrupt, leaving Valverde and Casemiro further behind and a man down against that Barcelona midfield. Basically... It was, I guess he had the element of surprise, but nothing else. Um, Jules will point out many more flaws, but to me, this was the biggest. And you're very game. kind. Well, of course it was the biggest because it's the one that changes um, the entire structure of the team. It's the one that's the hardest to kind of get to grips with. It's the one that post-game, for example, Thibaut Courtois talked about playing with a false nine in this game and in a previous one. I can't remember which game he was talking about now. But he made the point that neither of them had really worked. And the other one wasn't Modric the previous time. I think it might have been the, the Isco game. It was the Isco game. Yeah, the Isco game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he said, but look, tactical arguments and discussions are, are, are for us inside the dressing room. They're not for me to say in front of the telly. He said, saying it in front of the telly. Um, but you do, <laughs> you do, you do then get this, this structure where everything feels out of kilter. Now, obviously, look, you have to put this in the context, as you said. The, the, the natural thing and, and, and the kind of the, the steady thing, and Carlo Ancelotti is usually steady above all else, is to go for a like-for-like -like change, even if it's not as good a level, even if it's nowhere near as good a level. But I think what we saw last night, in a way, was the, the, the total lack of trust he has in the other potential forwards. And that's very, that in itself is very, very interesting, because in theory, Real Madrid do have a squad. 
In theory, Mariano is a backup number nine. In theory, Jovic, who, by the way, cost, what was it, 65 million euros, is a backup number nine. In theory, a big push, Gareth Bale can even play there, and he didn't even get in the squad last night. A very big push, as you've already mentioned. Asensio can play through the middle if needs be, but you maintain the structure. He decided against it. I can understand the idea in his mind, which was, okay, you have an extra body in the middle, you try and keep control of the game. But that didn't work, not least, because, of course, the control of the game from Modric comes from the positions that Modric takes up. And if he's suddenly in a different position, he can no longer control the game. I also think it is worth us putting this into context, by the way. And I am as guilty of this as anyone, possibly even more so than most, um, of seeing performances like the Paris Saint-Germain game and thinking, wow, what a player Luka Modric is. He's a brilliant footballer, and at his age, it's just extraordinary what he's doing. And, of course, for half an hour at the Bernabeu, it was. But, of course, the context is that for three quarters of that tie against PSG, Modric was also overrun. So there is a kind of a broader question about about that midfield. And and this isn't about focusing on Modric. It's just about kind of not overlooking uh, some of those, if you like, underlying issues. But, you know, Ancelotti, at least yesterday had the honesty to say, it's my fault. Yeah. And he was asked what he said to his players, and he said, I told them, it's my fault. And the best thing you can do with this game now is forget it. I mean, when you have such a giant lead, when you're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League facing a Chelsea squad, which is well, you throw away the run by like the this. government. No, no, no. What I'm saying is you can come out and say, oh, and when you've got a whole bunch of European Cups at home, you can come out and say, hey, it's my fault. It's on me. I screwed it up and take responsibility. Jules is rolling his eyes. I, I don't think it's I, good enough. I just well, don't what think it's good enough because you've well, got what do you want to do? Do you want him to resign? No, it's not that. It's oh, just no, like... All I'm, saying is, all I'm saying is I prefer a manager who goes out and says, it's my fault. All right, Jules, we're going to get more and find more things to criticize about Real Madrid Thank and you. Carlo Ancelotti because, you know, you have to expiate. Um, but let's shift this back to Barcelona because, you know, this is what gets me, Sid. I... I He's done all this without Ansu Fati, who I think is his most talented player. And he's done all this with, it may seem irrelevant to the outside, and sometimes you can get really in the weed on Barcelona internal club policies, but Ferran Reverter, who was the kind of the, the, the genius guy who made everything work financially, he quits all of a sudden, has a go at La Porta. They get this weird salary cap, which means something, but doesn't mean something, just basically means there are more restrictions. Well, it's... Minus what 134 million euros, the only negative salary cap. Uh, you know, I think you explain this to lay people what it means for next season, and it means that basically, um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared Pique will be will pay for the privilege to play for Barcelona, right? Not the other way around, I think. He's going to get some well, look, of Shakira's money. Look, so, he's the way got, it is next year, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, got all this chaos now. I mean, they'll be able, they'll probably make some moves, they'll be able to fix it to some degree, but still, he's got all this negativity. In the background, people talk about the four signings that Barcelona made in January. Oh, but they were able to make four signings. Okay, let's just go through this. And Ken, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not like in January he went out and and and, and he signed Lewandowski, Pogba, Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's not like he's the four horsemen of the apocalypse rode into the camp now. Okay, let's just, just remind yeah, ourselves yeah, who signed. Better than what they had. Hey, but they, Let's just remember. No, well, are yeah, they? Are they better than what? No, no, but they are. Okay, they're better baseline. But let's remember where they were. Okay, because I think this is important, right? Adama Traore had started as many games on the bench as he had made starts for Wolves until that point in the season. Albamiyang hadn't played 
He made his last appearance in early December. Was having one of the worst spells of his career and had been banned and or had been suspended by his club. Danny Alves is 38 years old, hadn't kicked the ball in anger since September. Ferran Torres hadn't played at all since September for his club. Okay, so these may be good players, maybe better than what they are, undoubtedly so in some cases, but you still have to bring them in and you have to get them working yeah, and contributing yeah, sure. to the side. And you have to do all this with zero managerial experience in Europe, with everybody expecting you because you're a club legend to suddenly fix everything. You know, when he's coaching in Qatar, he gets like 20 people, half of whom are paid uh, to be there watching his games. I mean, say this is extraordinary. This is yeah, the, the work that he has done is, I think, simply extraordinary. Yeah, I, no, I totally agree with you. And I, and I think as well that we, we've heard from Xavi all the talk about style and philosophy and so on, which you always get with Xavi and you always got it with him as a player as well as a manager. But I actually think that one of the biggest things he's changed is, is the culture uh, and the culture of competitiveness, seriousness, work, but making players want to train. So introducing an element of enjoyment to it as well, of kind of, if you like, clearing the air of the place and, and making it feel like a place that, that people want to be and, and, and involving people in it. He said something that I really liked last night, Chavi. And I, I know, look, this is just a phrase and, and, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think it was a, a good way of putting it. He said, it's just a pity that I couldn't make more changes tonight because this was a game that, that everyone want, should have been able to enjoy that everyone should have been on the pitch to play, play a part in. And I think that's part of it. That, that, that attempt, which is very difficult, I think, to make everybody feel like a participant. And for example, you get that moment to last weekend when Ricky Butch came on and, and, and played very well. And he said, look, I'm not getting the chances that I want and I'm not happy, but I appreciate that the manager is trying to give me those opportunities and trying to work through this. And I think this, there is just a culture of, of effort, of, of being, being competitive, of being aware of what this means, which for one reason or another, or for a whole series of reasons, possibly wasn't really there before. I mean, the contrast with before is incredible. We've always said, though, the three of us, that it's still a very talented squad. It, yes, we have. You know, we have always true. said at the start of the season, we said we looked line by line and we said there's a lot of talent there. The problem before was there was no structure, or certainly not enough structure, not enough identity maybe on the way you want to play and the way you should be playing. And, 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 and I think Sid makes such a good point on the spirit around the team. I mean, the Dutch guy is not, he's not really good at managing players. He's never been through his whole career. He didn't start at Barcelona. With Xavi, I think, has the charisma to start with and everything that, well, so especially with the young team, especially with the young squad, but see, but, but that makes the difference. That's what I find remarkable is also, you know, we talk about the squad, but we're talking about working with individuals, right? We know Pedri's supremely talented. Well, Pedri ran himself into the ground, was injured, comes back. The guy is so young, there's bound to be an element of doubt. Okay, I'm coming back now after months away. Am I going to be as good? Can the manager give me the confidence to, 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 to show that? Eric Garcia, who, you know, we talk about all this talent. I don't think Eric Garcia is good at all, frankly. No. Um, and yet, he can turn him into a serviceable player in this. And while the word philosophy gets overused to the point that I think sometimes it's almost meaningless, what I like about it is... He manages to sell us and have everybody believing that this is old-style Barcelona. But I also saw some big differences. Because if you play Araujo at right-back, and he was 
playing Araujo really to contrast Vinicius, right? The, yeah, the single yeah. biggest threat that was that was out there after Modric was. And that was made easier by the fact that Benzema wasn't there. Obviously. Otherwise, I think there's there's a doubt with him to put Araujo centrally for Benzema. It's 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 entirely possible that, that he would have done that, but that is that, that's not an old school Barcelona move. That is also that is a more modern view on the take. You know, I, we don't. I don't remember Pep Guardiola. Well, it's pragmatic as well. Well, I know it's fine, but I don't remember Pep Guardiola being particularly pragmatic in the Barcelona context. Now, well, of course, he overthinks and outthinks himself, right? So for me, that's remarkable. You know, we talk about, he, you know, Sid, when he first took over, correct me if I'm wrong here, right? He talked about the importance of the wingers and the wingers staying wide and whatever, right? Mm. Now, in this evolution, you have two wingers in Ferran Torres and, and Dembele who play the game completely differently. Especially last yes. night, Ferran Torres coming in, uh, coming inside, allowing uh, Alba to overlap or staying outside. You know, Ferran Torres and Jordi Alba seem to kind of play in unison. I thought in this game, which is the way it should be, but it's not something you take for granted. He's a much different type of of winger than Dembélé, who stayed on the outside a lot of the times. Yeah, tries to you know like. But also because Araujo is never going to overlap and that's cross fine, the ball. And but there is a variety. It's almost like. He's managed to sell everybody on the Barcelona identity, maintain, obviously, the yeah. Barcelona identity, but also modernize things, which I think he has to do because, well, the squad may be talented. We, we agree it's, in, it's, it's very much an imperfect squad. Right, Sid? Yeah, look, I mean, when, with, with Ferran, by the way, I don't know about you, but I see certain parallels with David Villa there, which is a guy theoretically playing on the left who's really a forward. Who's 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 playing on the left as a as a if you like a starting point to making those horizontal runs or diagonal runs into the penalty area and arriving yeah. rather than going outside. Whereas on the other side of the pitch, Dembélé because he's two footed, he can go both ways, but he still tends to want to go outside. And when he comes inside, it's to take a shot. And I think Dembélé's been very important for them. And I think you're right. There are there are tweaks that are different. Araujo was a very very clear example of that yesterday. Um, you know, Dani Alves has been really important to Xavi, and and Xavi has made the point that he was even felt disappointed that at the decision he'd made to leave Dani Alves out of the Europa League squad because he felt that okay, I've got some cover at right back. I've got Serginho Dest. I've, I've got Araujo. Um, I'd much rather have these other guys at the top of the pitch, that extra player, which obviously it would have been a dammer had it not been Dani Alves that stepped out of the squad. Now, of course, with Dembélé playing this well, he needs a dammer prob- probably slightly less than he thought mm-hmm. he would. Because, of course, we didn't know how the Dembélé situation was going to play out. And I must confess, I think if... If Dembélé, if they had known Dembélé was going to stay, I don't think they'd have signed a Damatreo or it. I think oh. that was partly about putting pressure on Dembélé and having a replacement. But you're right, there's these little tweaks of, I suppose, pragmatism all over the pitch. One thing I would say, though, is that I think there were times when Guardiola was more pragmatic than, than, than we sometimes remember. I think, I think we, we, can, we can sometimes fall into the trap of over-romanticising. So, for example... As I was saying earlier, but last night there was a lot of them playing the quick early ball beyond the Madrid defence. You look back on that 6-2 and the the importance of Thierry Henry running beyond Sergio Ramos at right back, released relatively early, was really, really significant in that victory. You look back at the role, admittedly it wasn't an automatic first choice role, but the really quite regular participation of someone like Sebu Keita with Guardiola and I think there you do see those little touches of pragmatism that perhaps we've forgotten with time because of course over the midst of time you you, you cling to the if you like the, the the purity of of what happened and maybe you don't always see the pragmatism and I think one of the things that 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 is really important here as well is that both Guardiola and Xavi for all 
the romanticism. You've used the word the philosophy and said it's a, di- a problematic word, and I, I agree with you completely. For, but for all the philosophy, for all the pragmati- for all the romanticism, there's a pragmatism, and in particular, a competitiveness about both of those men, which I think is is really important that that, that you know that we don't overlook it. This game, by the way, resembles a lot the six-two that. Sid just mentioned in, in 09 in terms of a turning point in terms of okay yes. we, we're coming now and you know this is a game that this is a classical that Barca hadn't won in what seven or eight Sid for, for five years or five, something like five that. defeats in a row exactly. and six without a win and I think he really felt a bit like similar to 09 and right. that 6-2 I, I appreciate the history lesson old men here but we're losing our younger demographic if you keep bringing no, up no, it's, it's true I know it's I, true. I, I'm old I remember that game very and, well. and to be yeah. fair I think Real Madrid well, I, I, I was going to go even older for you um, and, and apologies for this there was, there's so another 1974 parallel, I, I, yeah the money no 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 there's another parallel which I think is significant and that is Barcelona's 2-1 win over Real Madrid in 2004 which Xavi played and then Xavi scored and that was Barcelona winning towards the end of the season where deep down we all knew it was a little bit too late for Barca to win the league now as it turned out they did overhaul Real Madrid but Valencia won the league but at that point even with that win and you think Barcelona might be in the title race but we all thought it was a little bit too late but what it really was was a marker that said Barca have been really good the second half of the season and next year they're going to be a good team. Right. And I think that's where the parallel here really lies. This isn't about can Barca win the league now because last night they were all saying, well, look, if the chance comes, we'll be ready for it. But let's face it, it's not going to it happen. happen. But no. what no. this does suggest is that next season, Barcelona are a, a, a candidates to win the league again. And to be fair, Carlo and Real Madrid made this game easy in the end. Okay, before we get to Carlo... No, no, yeah, but let me, let me finish. But you should, you should look at this game in a, in a wider context of the yes. Atletico Madrid performance for Barcelona. Four goals scored. The Napoli away performance, yeah. where they destroy them completely, and not many teams go to San Paolo and play like that and destroy them like that. Even the Athletic Bilbao win, and the four goals scored again. And this is a team that at times had gone away and struggled, or could only draw, could not really score, looked a bit wobbly at times. But if you look at those four results, just those four results, and how well they've played, you think, okay, right, they're on something very, very special I wanna, that they're building. I want to, before we move on to Real Madrid, I want to bring it back to, to, to Dembele and Jules, obviously. I'm going to ask you, because I think it's fair to say you played at a higher level than Sid and <laughs> But I am, I've long been, since, since I was a kid and watched Andy Brayman play, I've been fascinated by the two-footed, yep. by the genuinely two-footed player. Um, and whether they're born or made. Andy Brayman was made. I'm think Dembele was made as well. I know just simply because I think genetically being ambidextrous with your feet is kind of a weird and very unusual <laughs> thing. But if you're a <laughs> geneticist either. and can tell us, please tell us. I stand to be corrected. It's just such an advantage. It's crazy. It is such an edge. You don't need to be outstanding technically if you can go both ways. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You're, were you two-footed? And whoa, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, definitely not. Why isn't this something that every youth team coach drills into people you can, and can you not pick no. it up later so you so there's this you can drill into someone like Santi Cazorla for example who Sid would know used to tell me all the time at training when I was a kid they make us do against the wall for two hours left foot left foot left foot left foot hitting the ball passing the ball to the wall and back controlling yeah. passing it left foot and Santi was amazing at taking corners right foot left foot free kicks penalties anything you want but he was not able to dribble with the two feet like Dembele can. That's why I think Dembele is naturally gifted with the two feet. Didn't really have to work more on one than the other. It just come naturally to him to the point that 
all those years ago at Rennes when we asked him one day, but are you actually right-footed or left-footed? He didn't even know himself. Santi would always say, I'm right-footed, but I've worked I so much on my one. left foot that now he feels the same pretty much. And I think Dembele, when you have that, when he's in that kind of form, and I mean, what, what Xavi has done with him, when we talked about all the players that have improved in Xavi, what he's done with him is not take away the craziness maybe or the pace or anything. It's just say, listen, at time, just simplify the game. Instead of taking three touches, just take two. Or instead of four, just take three or even two or even one. And sometimes you don't always have to try to dribble past three players every time you have the ball. Sometimes just an, a, like a lateral pass to Busquets or to Gavi or to De Jong will make a difference. And I think he drilled that into his head and now he's a much more mature player in the way he did. And I'm disappointed Deshaun didn't call him up for this international break because I think he deserved to be there. The way France have switched their formation. He's got to make room for Nkunku. No, it doesn't matter. But he will be there next time if he continues like this because he's, when in that form, he's incredible. And Here, in that spirit. Here's the thing, right? And I want to just want to get a quick view from both of you. Because when he's like this, he's unplayable. We also saw bad Dembele in the game. I thought in the second half there were moments where it was just like the game was won after 47 minutes. Yeah, so but this, like, this 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 strides with what Sid told us about the competitiveness side of it. I think. But also, he was Alaba then against him, which is harder than Nacho, who we could all dribble past Nacho okay. and outrun Nacho. What I'm driving at is Barcelona have major financial issues. He is Barcelona's highest paid player right now. I think I'm right in saying, unless Coutinho pops up again uh, out of the blue, or I'm forgetting somebody. He's out of contract. He's 24 years old. So you figure, well, he's productive. He's there. Xavi's getting a tune out of him. Sign him up. Equally, he has the most horrendous, one of the most horrendous injury records in history. I was shocked by this. He yeah, hasn't but. started more than 20 games in a season for Barcelona since he's been there. He hasn't started more than 22 games in a season in his entire career. Okay, he right? played 44 games last season and he's on 22 already this season. Counting appearances from... Yeah, yeah I'm just saying. Bro, 44 not, games last season, I don't think it's bad. Quite, certainly not 22 starts in the league. No, I'm no, looking, he's I'm played 22 games football, this season. Which is what God intended when he said yeah. football, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's no question, right? He's had serious injury problems. Sid, what's your sense of what they're going to do and what should they do? I mean, he has to take a pay cut if he wants to stay, right? Yeah. I mean, look, the, 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 the offer was on the table um, in the winter window and he turned it down, which is, of course, why we got into this position in which Barcelona believed or allowed themselves to believe that he already had something done with another club. I actually think they were probably wrong at that point. I don't doubt for a minute that there were conversations with other clubs. It would be it would be actually negligent of them not to have those conversations with other clubs. Um, the offer will be good, but obviously not as good as he was currently on. And, and of course, part of it was they were trying to get him to spread the current payments over over a longer period, which is why they needed him to renew, not just to keep him, but to be able to spread their money and get others in at that time, which is an incredible situation to find themselves in. The answer to what should they do is an answer, as I always say, that I actually don't know, because there are times I look at it and think, well, this is an absolute no-brainer. Of course you keep him. And then other times you think, yeah, but at what point do you give up on, on patient, uh, and you lose patience with him? Because the truth is that until this last what is it, month and a half or so, he has largely, and this sounds crueler than is my intention, but I think it's the right word, he's largely been irrelevant at Barcelona. He just hasn't been that important. Now, it's not always been his thoughts through, through, through injuries, through moments of, of lost form, through other players playing ahead of him, because we shouldn't forget this. 
by the way, Barcelona had Luis Suarez, Leo Messi and Antoine Griezmann. And that doesn't always leave a place for Dembélé, even when he is fit. There have been moments when he's been brilliant. There's been moments when his decision-making, even in brilliant games, and we saw this a little bit last night, is awful every now and again. And I suppose with Barcelona, the question is, you now look at this and you take on that risk that you've said about injury. And you also take on whether this improvement right now is something that can be lasting whether it's partly to do with the contractual situation in some way, whether there's an attempt to either prove a point or uh, be born again or, or you know, earn a contract or at least have a chance to kind of flick the Vs and say, right, up yours when you leave, or whether maybe this is actually about Xavi, and that therefore if Xavi's staying, you've got yourself a player that you didn't really have before. Is it about the culture around him being better? And this is one of the things I, 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 I'm always really keen on sort of stressing. We sometimes talk about players' behaviour, but players' behaviour never happens in a vacuum. It happens in a culture. It happens in, a, in an attitude around the whole club. It happens in a, the way in which you train. And even on the pitch, it happens in context. So to give the best possible example of this, as I just said a second ago, his decision-making sometimes is bad. Mm. What's the best way to deal with a player whose decision-making right. is bad? It's not necessarily to teach him decisions, it's to only offer him certain options on the pitch. So he bloody well has to do that you're all good. There you go. That's the Sid Lowe method. Uh, Jules, we need to get on to Real Madrid, but I want to get your view on, just to wrap this uh, Dembele up. It's like what Milan have done, what Juve are doing with Dybala, you offer him contract if he wants to take it, he's more than welcome. If he doesn't, then you can't, there's I'm, no room for him, there's no room for negotiation anyway. So I'm 100% with you, you give him a number maybe with a lot of bonuses yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you try to make it, it as good as possible. Well, as good as possible for Barcelona. Yeah, 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 for you, yeah, of course. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then if he doesn't wait, go walk away, because you know what? I'm a believer. I think Ansu Fati will be back at one point. And I know that with Ansu and Torres, I don't need to worry about the wings. I can address my other priorities uh, that, that I might have as a club. And you know what? I also don't think Dembélé is going to have this tremendous market for him out there, given the way things are unfolding around Europe, right? Because let's, let's, let's just think about it. He's going to move to another big club if he moves, yeah? Mm -hmm. And... I'll leave Paris Saint-Germain to one yes, side because I don't want to twist the knife. But but realistically, right, Manchester City is obviously not a fit there. Um, Liverpool have wingers coming off, the, off their backside. So do Bayern. Chelsea, we know the situation that they're in financially now and, and the uncertainty there. And also, I don't think they need more wingers. Yeah. Where do you go? Yeah, no, we, 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 it's, it's we, what are you going to do? It's a good you know, point. Go go to Juve and team up with Federico Chiesa, but yeah, I, yeah, like it's not. That's a good point. I, I think I think the hard line is what you do, and if he wants to stay, he makes it work. Here's, um, here's the answer. Let me give you the answer. Very very brief answer to this. I don't know if you saw Martin Einstein's bicycle diaries with with Danny Alves this week. So Martin Einstein gets on a bike, cycles around Casa de Fels with Danny Alves, and he asks Danny Alves about Messi. And Dani Alves says that Messi doesn't look very happy. But that's not the point. The point is what Dani Alves says that Messi said to him. And this is what you have to drive home to Usman Dembélé. Dani Alves says, Messi had always said to me, where would you possibly be better off than here? And he said, and I left and I saw that he was right. Yeah. And he's left and he's seen that he was right. And that is, I think, the key to all of this. Now, obviously, there's pressure and there's financial elements to this. And I'm sure there's an agent saying, look, this deal's much better than that one. And all of those things. But if you can get through to Dembélé... That if, and you can say to him, listen, these last couple of months where you've played really well, we can make a thing of this. Right. We can make you big in this. And it's true. You can earn, I don't know, for argument's sake, 25% more in this club. But so what? Yeah, no, no. This, I, you're I'm, not going to be better anywhere else. Yeah. I'm with you. And I, I think he might need to take a pick up wherever he goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, on to Real Madrid. Uh, right, we've pointed out Carlos 
flaws. I, I, I'm a fan of Carlo. I, I said, I think he screwed this one up. What about so the back three at halftime? Have you, have you mentioned the back three at halftime? Because that was a great idea, the back three at halftime. That was, hey, boys, listen, why don't we play a back three half, you know, for the second half? Uh, yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back three. Because already you would assume that Carlo, Davide, or, uh, when they prepared for the game, right? They thought that the starting 11 that they put up kickoff would win the game, right? That's how you prepare a game. Yes, I would keep them how, how on earth? How did you think that this could win the game? How did you think I mean, that with trying to press? Did they even try to press or pretend to press? What are you going to press with Modric and Kroos? What are you going to press? What? Well, it was, well, they tried because it was far too easy for Testegen to find a free man or for Busquets to find a free man. It was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. I think it was about containment and hoping for something at that stage. Look, if you want to go further and criticize him for decisions he made during the game, in the beginning. The back three was but, terrible at halftime. And if Torres is a better finisher, where, the fourth goal comes much earlier. Where does, this, where does this leave them, though, going forward? In the sense that we've already seen them bounce back from one... Look, I'm sure in terms of the climate and the environment, it's a classical... This this is going to have fallout, Sid, obviously, and this is having fallout. Yeah. Is this bigger fallout than the Paris Saint-Germain first leg, given how poor they were and Messi missing the penalty and whatever? And, you know, given that they have this lead in La Liga, is this comparable fallout? Is it bigger fallout? No, I, I think the Paris Saint-Germain fallout was bigger because the Paris Saint-Germain fallout, obviously, at that point, was the possibility that you don't go any further in the Champions League. Um, there is, I don't think there's anyone who really thinks Real Madrid will lose this league title now, even after last night's result. Um, not least, of course, because Sevilla have just not taken advantage of the opportunities that they've been given over the last six weeks. I think I'm right in saying that Sevilla have drawn seven of their last nine or seven of yeah. the, I think it's seven of their last nine or seven of their last ten. They just dropped too many points. And this weekend was another example of that. That's done. Um, that part of it. Barcelona, obviously, and Atletico Madrid can maybe rack up sufficient numbers of points to push Madrid. If no, it's, Madrid not gonna happen. Suddenly, it's not going to happen. Suddenly, so, exactly, exactly. That's so, why the fallout's not so big. So, are so, you confident other, that he can bounce back and get them in the right frame of mind for Chelsea? Yes, absolutely. Because of course, that's a one-off game and it's different. Now, I think the PSG game is interesting as well because the fallout was greater partly because I think the impact was. I said the fallout was greater. By the way, we're following morning now. Let's see what happens over the next week because there's no game next weekend, whether this starts to fester a little bit. But the PSG game was different, I think, A, because um, there was a risk of them being knocked out. But then maybe the mitigating factor on that was there's a second leg. And if anyone likes to fetishise the idea of a comeback, it's Real Madrid. So you sort of have this idea that it's our duty now to build towards a comeback rather than to say this is a disaster. But there's a third element here, which I think is really interesting. After the PSG game, there was this idea that how can you sit deep? How can you just sit deep and be so passive and let a team come to you? Despite the fact that Ancelotti, who I really admire for the fact that he's honest and he's direct and he's straight and he doesn't normally play games, although this weekend he sort of did when he, when he um, talked about his various attacking options and never mentioned the Modric one. But he said after that game, he'd said lots of times this season, why wouldn't we play on the counter-attack? With the players that we've got, with the speed of Vinicius, why wouldn't we play on the counter-attack? This is fine. Play with a relatively low team. Play long, play into, not long exactly, but, you know, play into space, play on the break, because we're really, really good at that. The PSG game was like an extreme and very poor version of that. 
and there was this sudden criticism. And Ancelotti started saying, yeah, we're going to try and play a bit higher up the pitch. Well, I think we might even have talked about this on this podcast. We're going to try and play up the high, higher up the pitch. We're going to try and push a bit. We're going to be, try and be, that Spanish phrase, protagonists of games. And I think what we said on this podcast, you can't just change the way that you play halfway through a season. And I felt that that shift of saying we've got to be a bit higher up the pitch was actually a response to criticism as much as it was a response to an analysis of what they'd done. And I think it introduced actually a, a touch of uncertainty. I, I, and last I, night, I thought they partly paid for that. I think he, I think he, he knows how to play that way. I know it's perhaps not ideally suited to it. But I'm not sure if I this team does. It's all right him knowing how to. We've, we've, I'm not sure we've, that this We've seen field, flashes of it. This team yeah. can obviously cannot do it without Benzema, right? You're not going to yeah, be able to do it. Yeah, but it can't do it without Benzema. And I don't think it can I, do it with this free man of field. No, if Cruz Modric and Casemiro is your midfield... You're right. not going to succeed well, pressing all game look, long. You're not going to. Hindsight's 2020, and I'll leave you. But guys. when you were before the game, it wasn't exactly that's the point. It's not 2020. I will it's not 2020. This has been discussed all year. We know exactly. this is the case. And we knew before the game, yeah. I see what you did there. Said, Jules, why not do this then? Right? Why not? Uh, since it's all about damage limitation, why not go into this game and say, "Oh, Barcelona are really good in midfield. Let me play Casemiro with a little bit of help from Camavinga on one side, Valverde in the other." Kroos and uh, and Modric pinging balls forward. Vinicius up front on his own. We'll just board. The, we'll just defend in the six yard box. I've already none of the full back there. But, Nacho. But Gabby, in, in part, that's what he was trying to ah, do. Ah, I see. Okay, in, all right, fine. But don't part, tell me there's only two ways of playing. The, you look at the midfield. Without Benzema, there's zero ways of playing not, well. That's rubbish. That's the biggest rubbish that I've ever heard. What? What? So but, what, forfeit the game then? What? Without Benzema, you can't play better than okay. what we saw. Okay, you Professor Jules, what would you? How would you? I, well, I start by playing a normal centre forward. So play, you play Mariano up front. But, but Mariano would actually run and make runs and right. press and. And then, you still lose the game. But it doesn't matter. At least you've tried. What did they do on Sunday? They tried they to even, do something different, which didn't work. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't even try. They didn't try I, anything. I, I they should have lost eight 0 at they, home they, they maybe not hate but they, I think they certainly could have lost but I go back to my point how can you prepare your game and, and say to your staff and to your player in your dressing room this is how we're going to play and we're going to win the game like this it was impossible the element of surprise he got it badly wrong and uh, look Sid and I both think he's still going to go on to win the title. No, no, no. So of course they're going to win the title. But we said after the PSG yeah. game if, if, if they think that Kylian Mbappe is the answer they're so wrong because that team needs far more than just Kylian Mbappe or Karim Benzema to be able to compete with City, okay. Bayern and Liverpool. And I'm not even talking this Barca-Chavi team or the PSG team or even a Chelsea team. Okay. They're think, nowhere near. Okay, this, team, this team hasn't acquired anybody of note apart from David Alaba, I think, in the last four years, something like that. Who, who is the last big signing who had an impact before David Alaba on this Barcelona team, on this Real Madrid team? Right, let me tell you who I think the last player who had Cruz. a big impact was. Oh, yeah. No, no, the last big player to have an impact was, was very briefly Fede Valverde, but he slipped out the team again. When yeah. you look back at that Santi Solari period, and they, 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 they discovered a freshness that they hadn't had before. They'd been very stale, and that freshness was almost all about Fede Valverde. But it was a really brief period. It was, what, right. two, three months. And the truth is, Valverde hasn't done yeah. it. And this is part of the problem, because you've got players who, in theory give you some of that energy, Valverde and Camavinga. But of course, for as long as you've got Cruz, Modric and, and Casemiro, and this isn't a criticism of these three, the truth is, when you look at it, you go, who are my best three midfielders? Well, they are. 
Right. They are. No, no, because, and, 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 and actually, to go to what you were saying, Gab, that idea of trying to add a midfielder, that's basically what he did yesterday. He thought that Modric could be both the forward and a midfielder, yeah. and then with Valverde in the middle, you get the energy that allows Modric to play like that. But what happened, of course, was Modric was so... Uh, what's the word in English? Descolocal. Um, so kind of out of position. But it's more than just out of position. It's kind of like this sense that he sort of almost didn't understand what was happening around him because object. he was so so kind of discombobulated right. that, we, that, you know, that it fell apart. We could do a series of hour-long shows we breaking should, down the could, classico yeah. even further. Maybe one day we will. Not today. Sid, thank you so much. My pleasure. Cheerio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, enough classical. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. Manchester City advanced to the FA Cup semi-final, beating Southampton away 4-1. Jules, you were there. This yeah. take a little more effort than the scoreline suggests. Yeah, yes? it did. They were not. They were not very good. They were not on their best. They started well and then had a good spell in the second half. Of course, once you know, Foden, Mares came on, and when they, they they switched back on again, like Kevin De Bruyne said in our interview after the game, because Southampton is the you know the intensity and they run and they press well and. And yeah, City, despite taking the lead, were a bit, were a bit off it. To be, were, to be was Southampton missing the real strikers? Well, I think Chad Adams has that big, big, big chance at two one down. I mean, they give a stupid penalty away, Salisu, and then, and then if he scores that two two with fifteen minutes to go, it could be a different game. But it wasn't, and those games decided on, on thin margin. Off the page, Gab Deloitte's uh, Money League was published, and it showed the Manchester City had the highest revenue in the world in 2021, surpassing Barcelona. Is this a big deal, Gab? Well, no, because there's that five-letter word called COVID, which obviously yeah. affected everybody. And because Manchester City sponsors were, how shall I say this? Uh, Friends? Yeah, well, Partners? Emirati connected, <laughs> related parties. They obviously didn't go to them and say, oh, look, you know, we got a business to run here. But they, they kept the money going. I think by some estimates, it's something like close to half their yeah. commercial income comes 56, from 56, I think. Uh, yeah, look. It's not, it's not a knock on them. This is the reality. They yeah. operate within the rules as they are now. But the Deloitte Money League, based just on revenue, is kind of meaningless in, mm. in, in, in these situations. City will play Liverpool in the semi-final just a week after they square off in the Premier League, which is kind of cool, huh? Big week. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp's crew knocked out Nottingham Forest with a late shot goal. Yeah, and with the Champions League in between as well, in between those league and, yeah. and cup... cup uh, Big clashes between the two teams. They, that's was a really good game. I thought Forest, you know, took the game onto Liverpool. Had some chances. Well, it looked like a tremendous atmosphere. Yeah, well, the Forgotten atmosphere about the city incredible. Yeah, it's been a long time, obviously, uh, since they played each other. So quite incredible. And but we've said it before that even Liverpool, when they don't play well, they find a way of winning. And that that was exactly that. That was exactly yeah. And I don't that. think even Liverpool needed the, to 
necessarily I'm not saying that oh it's the FA Cup they don't know they want to win and everything but, yeah, I but think he made seven changes you can tell what his meaning yeah. was I love seeing afterwards like oh this was like a European night I had so much fun here yeah you had fun because you won <laughs> <laughs> Milan stayed top in Serie A with a 1-0 victory over Cagliari Gab another step towards the title and another the Frenchman delivering for you you know Giroud and Benasser uh, that's right Ismail Benasser yeah uh, French although does play for a different yeah, country sure, like, but uh, is, he, is he Parisian he is Parisian. Oh, there you go. No, one. I think he's from the south. Um, uh, more importantly, they created a million chances. They yeah, played really they played well. Cagliari with Mazzari, the usual, like, you know, let's take a page from the Sean Dyche playbook. Um, Milan kept going. Um, very well done to them. They're yeah. three points clear. Sticking with Milan, though, there were ugly scenes at the end when uh, Mike Mignon and Ficayo Tomori were racially abused as they celebrated near the homestand. Jules, it's not the first time it happens in Cagliari. We've had Matuidi, Ken, yeah. and Lukaku suffer through this in recent years. Yeah, can we finally make a decision that will that will do something, that will change something, or are we just going to let let them off again, or maybe have a fine and then maybe close the close the. Uh, the curva for a little bit, and then they're going to come back and do this again the next game. I mean, what, oh wait, can can it, we finally do something? What I, I I was hugely critical of Cagliari before as a club because their response is like, "We're not a racist city." We're yeah, not they a, always say yeah, that. You know what? I don't care. You may not be a racist city. You may not be a racist club. But you have some people in your club colors who think it's appropriate. Uh, Mike Mignan was simply walking back exactly. towards the middle of the, of the park. He wasn't provoking, wasn't doing anything. And there's some people within that now. Last time this happened, um, and it was somewhat yeah, underreported, three, uh, three Cagliari fans received lifetime bans. I expect this to happen again. It's not difficult. There were observers there. But that's there, not their answer people. anyway, because others do it then. So well, those three are not there, but others do it. Okay, but you so what? You, but no, 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 no. I, I think we fundamentally disagree here. You have to look, punish the club because they're responsible. Yeah. I agree with you there. Educate your fans. I think the fans are educated. I think I think for the, for, it's not like anybody there is like, oh, is this wrong to racially be? No, fans know it's wrong, right? I think that you have to punish the individuals. Otherwise, you're never getting out of it. Otherwise, okay. you, you punish the club, yeah, close the club, but that's fine. Yeah. So that the others say, well, wait, what are you doing? Why are you racially... People who wouldn't normally care if the guy next to them is racially abusing somebody will care if you close the curva. But also, you have to punish the individuals. But that doesn't they were work able to either. Do it last time? Clearly, because it keeps repeating and re being repeated. So Bad enough people and it'll work. Yeah, no, I guess so. Yeah, Bayern are back to their best in the Bundesliga uh, with a 4-0 win of the Union Berlin and they can set some goal-scoring records as well between now and the end of the season. Remember how Bayern were kind of yucky except for in the Champions League of late? Yeah, this is good. This, this is, is convincing. Really um, they're scoring like there's no tomorrow. Lewandowski needs 11 goals in seven games to break his own record. I think that's a high bar. Um, but Bayern are on brace to, uh, to, to break the record for goals in a single season. It's 101. They set it way back in 71-72. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it's that solemn time for more quick hits. Yes. And Jules, I, I waited as long as I no. could. <laughs> we got to talk Paris Saint-Germain. Oh. That defeat at Monaco. So humiliating. So embarrassing. I mean, 
Marshall Pochettino is, is not this is just not working for him he's not good I, again I don't think he wants to be there despite him kind of hinting on Friday in his press conferences uh, press conference that maybe he he would want to stay but depending on the uh, the context and what the club is saying like come on he has to go he has to go it just it's just not working I know the players are on the pitch and their attitude was rubbish and they, they clearly were not motivated and it was one of the worst performances I've seen in the last 10 years easily Donnarumma saved the penalty easily but isn't Where, it the manager's the, job to make sure that your players are committed that your players are motivated for what? you won the league season's yeah, over man uh, he's not good enough I've Small had enough doubt. of him I want Poch I've had enough of All him right, I've stop had picking enough of him. on Poch because hopefully Manchester United but he hasn't been good him. enough there's nothing okay even well, if you're if individually your players are not really there collectively you should have something to rest on to be able to compete in those kind of games. I mean, Monaco had been dreadful for the last eight games or ten games, and now they play us Just and they turn out to be like bloody Brazil from 82. Right. So let's let's talk about the very handsome Leo, okay? Enough Pachus. Nice guy, but not quite as handsome. At some point, season's over. You have yeah, to he has to go as well. So the question is, yeah, but unlike Poch, because you need someone yeah. to physically manage a team, I mean, would it not make more sense? to What are they waiting for for Leo to move on? Right? Are they oh, yeah, yeah. For I think Leo he's going to go. No, but go why on, going so. to go? Why? Since you plan for next season now. You save a few millions by not sacking them both now. If you wait for the summer, it doesn't cost you as much as to do in March. Right. So, you, as you said, they're going to win the league, keep them. It's going to be is going to be some the of sad end of the season. Neymar. Yeah, exactly. How about some love for Jose Mourinho uh, as Roma destroyed Lazio in the derby training? I would rather you giving some love to Tammy Abraham more than Jose ah, Mourinho. Ah, it's Jose. Big smile before the game. Big smile after the game. Jose, Jose Mourinho. Look, he set them up in the right way. Before that, it's like so Jose because, you know, obviously they, they played in the conference league on Thursday night and he's like, oh, Extra my time. players. Extra time. We thought they were they weren't good, by they the way. Good at all. Um, you know, we're gonna be so tired while the lots of players are all home smoking cigarettes with, with Sadi. Yeah. Um, and then Tony Abraham goes in, scores straight away, adds a second. Pellegrini with a phenomenal free kick, the three 0 up by halftime. It was a demolition. And Totti in the stand as well. Oh, I looked so Totti handsome. Totti enjoyed it. Totti enjoyed it. He's always handsome. Chelsea and Middlesbrough's giant killing run and are through to the semi-final of the FA Cup. Professional performance, right, Very, very professional performance, Gab. Early goal as well. Lukaku, which would be good for it's his funny confidence. funny how when you get Lukaku started. service, he scores. Exactly. Mason Mount had a great game. I think he's been involved now in 25 goals, 25 assists, something, since he made his debut for Chelsea, which is remarkable. So, well done to them. They move on and now they play Crystal Palace mm. in the semi-final. Sticking with Chelsea, Gab, interested parties have submitted their bids to buy the club on Friday. What do we know of them and right. is it the shortlist today or something I don't know in the shortlist out shortlist long list among people who are in there one of these guys what we do know is remember the Turkish guy Musim Bayrak yeah reportedly he sent his bid to the wrong email address what so how not, is that even possible I, well, he forgot an S so he I mean, forgot why would you tell Chelsea? people um, yeah. John Terry's got his group called True Blue where you buy yeah. uh, NFTs not his NFTs of the monkeys apparently it's different <laughs> ones he wants to raise uh it's something he's at 100 pounds. He wants to raise 250 million pounds for a minority stake held yeah, by fans. Yeah, he wants fans. 10% of the funds. Yeah. A lot it's of a, It's not a bad works. idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I'm not sure you necessarily want to be the face of it given, but whatever. Yeah. 
The serious ones. We have yeah. the Ricketts family who are involved with the Cubs. Yeah. Um, we have the Bowley with Goldstein. Goldstein, one Goldstein is a property yeah. defender uh, from Europe. Bowley's the guy from the Dodgers. We have a Saudi bid that we don't know yeah, much about. Group, we have yeah. the Candyman. Of course, Candyman. Candy can. Another property developer. Um, we have this kind of all-star all -star bid with uh, Sir, Sir Ma uh, Martin Broughton, yeah, yeah. Uh, former Liverpool Lord uh, Co. chief executive, together with uh, uh, Lord Co. Broughton, even though he's a former Liverpool guy, he is a big Chelsea fan. Yeah. Supposedly, they're being bankrolled by David Blitzer and Josh Harris, which to me suggests that they would need to get rid of their palace stake in you double quick so. time. Yeah, Maybe yeah, yeah. sell it to that nice Mr. Texter. Um, and then we have another bid, Centricus. That they're like, we're all British. Yeah, we're, we're all, all British. All British. Bid. Uh, we'll see what it is. Um, you know, like I said, I don't think this is going to be super quick. No. Chelsea will play Palace at Wembley in the semi-final. Uh, Jules, Chelsea can't sell tickets, but the FA can sell tickets. Yeah. Should they sell them directly to Chelsea? Of course fans? they should. Of course they should. You you, you can have you, you know, again the sanctions the sanctions are for Chelsea not to make yeah. any money, I, not to make any. I profit. don't see why this is even a debate. I, exactly. Or a why is the question? I know you put it because there's a question out there's there. There's a question. So people, we, yeah, this is mental. This is ridiculous. absolutely mental. Big win for Spurs against West Ham in the battle for fourth place. Gap they're up to fifth now. Just I think they're three, three points, points behind Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal have a game in hand, but a game in hand against Spurs, so they'll lose that one, and they have and the other. Game See? against Chelsea, which they'll also lose. I'm kidding, Arsenal. I do believe. How good were Son and Kane again? Oh, wow. And Benta in midfield? Come, Come on. on, man. That's, 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 that's Son and Kane make that team. What? They, Son and Kane made they're, that team. They're, 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 they're pretty good. And the one that Kane missed when he decided to go for the weird finish. I know. Rather take it for the other. I love this confidence like, even I, trying that. Oh, he's so good. Arsenal went away to Aston Villa thanks to Bukayo Saka goal. Jules, they yeah. bounced back after that defeat to Liverpool. Personality. Yeah. Personality, they were really good. And I, I was very disappointed by Gerard and, and Villa, I have to say. The lack of intensity, the lack of press, everything. But Arsenal have... That have that control. The only thing I was slightly worried, not worried, but I want them to keep attacking. You score one goal. We saw them, we saw that in the past where they start playing much deeper and start defending against Wolves, for example, and at times they got pegged back too. Um, so I would just would want them to keep that control and keep going for it, basically. Victor Oziman comes a big for Napoli once again as they beat Udinese. Gab, you always said the best is yet to come with Victor, but the way he's playing now, it looks like the best is right now oh no jules because no. you can get even better and i'll tell you again <laughs> the best is yet to come i i thought uh, uh, he's phenomenal so he's phenomenal so, he's so, so smart he's so smart for a young player um tremendous and look they're there milan stumble yeah. they're there yeah although he's suspended for the next yeah, game picked up a silly yellow card Atalanta. unfair by the way the guy it's an italian referee obviously but he sounds french for no yeah, I no, don't know. No, no, he's Italian. Not a fan. Atletico Madrid aren't going away, Jules. Huge goal from Coque and huge win away to Rayo to stay in the top four. Yeah, great goal as well. Just after the break, the one-two, and then the lovely, lovely finish for someone that doesn't, you know, usually pop in that position anyway. And who's been and out and who's been injured. Yeah, yeah, great, great. They defended well as well. And again, it keep that momentum. I think six wins in a row yeah. now for them. So it's very good. Inter dropped points against Gab. Uh, they held at home by Fiorentina, which means it's only one win in the last seven series. I got matches. What's going on? And so people, have, the papers are full of long laundry lists of what's going on. I think it's very simple. I think there's no bras. Yeah. Uh, without the no. bras, yeah, but it was tough. It was not out for the seven games. Where they no, 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 no. But I, they face different opponents. I know, they, but still, you know, but. Um, but yeah, they, they are dropping something. And now Simone Inzaghi needs to stop this negative spiral because mm. they have that game in hand. I think yeah. they can still get in the title race. It's not a million points back, but of course, they've got Juve coming up exactly. after the break. That's big going game. to be, big that's going to be really big. 
Well, Jules, that lasted long after cutting Bayern's lead to four points in midweek. Same old Dortmund return and are held by Cologne. What did we say? We did tell you, we warned you that you knew even if they came back four points behind and people thought, oh, maybe there's a time. No, there isn't because they're completely unreliable. And that game, and Cologne played well, to be fair to them, but that game showed it again. You know you have to win. Do you, have you know Marius Wolf scored? I just want to say yeah, a little point about again. him. He scored again. Did you yeah. notice that, like, you know, since he's he's trying to look at like, like mini me with his little Erling Holland man bun? I know, I know. He's like, maybe if I try to make myself look like Holland, <laughs> I'll score. Maybe I'd be as good as him, but maybe not. Juventus bounced back from the Champions League humiliation against Villarreal with a 2 0 win over Salernitana as Debala turns up and shines. Your thought, Gab? This is like peak Dybala. I'm not having a go at him. Sign right? him. Unavailable for the Villarreal game. Of course. And they get killed. Comes back. Oh, let's play the worst team in history. I would have scored And, look, and I'll go and I'll shine. It's a lovely Come goal. Come on, man. It's a Let lovely, him go. Let it's him a lovely go. goal. Crystal Palace and our boy Patrick Vieira destroys Everton 4-0. They're in the FA Cup semi-final, Jules, but Lampard says his team lack testicular fortitude. I don't care. Hang on. He used another word. Testicular fortitude is an euphemism. Yeah, that's yours, yeah. Apparently, like the word that he says, you're not allowed to say in English television. It's funny, on the BBC, my mate Mark Chapman last night, he says, he said, he used the word, he said they lack the stomach, because I can't say the word he really used. But okay. I can say it. I Testicular see, fortitude. Okay, I didn't see the word. I don't really care, to be fair. It's his job to make that team fight or be motivated or whatever, and he doesn't do that. I'm still not sure about him either in that position, but I just want to praise Patrick Vieira for his first season at Palace. To go the way they have in the league, and they've they've dropped even more points towards the you know ends of games where they should be even higher up in the in the in the table. Semi final of the of the cup going to Wembley. The way they play, the way he's improved young players like Michael Olise, who's a, a phenomenal talent, who will hopefully play for France uh, one day and not any of the other countries. But I think I think Patrick is one of the stories of the season. Without that, I think people underestimate what a good job he's been doing and underreport how good he's been so far at the club. And I think that game and that qualification shows it shows a lot of it. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. Right, I'm going to stick up for Lampard a teeny tiny okay, bit. Go on. Not how? for Lampard, yeah, but for Leverton's players. They need to avoid the drop. That is the utmost priority. And, and you see this at this stage of the season. A team like Palace... They've already won their season. Their season's been a success. So they've got house money now. And I think they can go in there with their minds free. For Everton, I think they couldn't What do you mean? They just won a game in the 99th minute. They should be on, you know, on a high after that win against Newcastle on Thursday night. You play Sunday and you're abject like this. It's in danger of going down, dude. Bayer Leverkusen leave it very late, but two goals from Paulinho. Remember him? See them pass Wolfsburg. Gab, they stay in third place. Rico, Rico Suave, Suave Gerardo this is big because remember they played Atalanta on Thursday night yeah. I was I mean oh, Diaby should have scored two Musso had such a good game in um, game. but it takes so much out of you and in the thing you know you could see you could see it slipping away we're used to Bayer Leverkusen right Bayer Leverkusen it's like the Kansas song right dust in the wind you know like uh, with, with things crumbling but they didn't crumble this time. I know, far before your time. But Paulinho, by the way, who, you know, they paid loads of money when he was like 12 or something because he arrived so young at the club. It's good to... I mean, if he can keep that kind of form, and he's been very inconsistent, but he's such a talented kid. If my aunt had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. Sevilla are held at home by Real Sociedad. Nil-nil. Seven draws in the last nine games. This is how you fail to mount a title challenge. Exactly. But... I don't want to, again, remind people what we said, but we did say it a long time ago. They could not put on a good run, a good run enough 
to be able to compete with Real it's Madrid. It's too much of a strain. It's too this, hard. But... And we saw them being very disappointed against West Ham. I think that to be knocked out of, of their competition would have, I think, hurt psychologically too, to go into this game against a good Real Sociedad team, but they just could not break down nothing. By the way, the West Ham fans, I just want to be consistent about this. If we say that, you know, by Leverkusen, it's worth more because they're tired from playing Thursday night and Sevilla obviously took a lot out of them. This applies to West Ham as well. So let's mitigate Spurs' win a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Gab, UFI's World Cup playoff are later this week on Thursday night. I imagine, well, from Thursday night, I imagine you're nervous with Italy uh, looking ahead of the game against North Macedonia. Di Lorenzo, by the way, uh, the latest one to be to drop out. Yes, you played by oh, Matilde Schiele, of all people Look at Telly has COVID. Look at Telly has COVID. Kies is obviously injured. No Spinazzola. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I is. hope Pandef is coming back just to haunt you and score it the winner. It is what it is, but you know what? No, they're just, this is how nervous we get. LFL Mass is yeah. suspended for Macedonia. And we're like, yes, no LFL I know, Mass. I know, I know. Like, goodness me. Crazy. Big Derby in the race for second in Ligue 1. My man Jorge Sampaoli oh, leads yeah. Marseille past Nice. Yeah, from the stands though, because he was suspended. He was there. He was, uh, He's the, seeing, the all-seeing eye in the sky. This was, it was a great game because of the atmosphere, because of the rivalry. You know, I always tell you the story, but if, if on the day of the game, the, uh, the, the red plate for the cars coming from Marseille are 13, and the ones from Nice are 06. And if you play in Nice and there's a car with 13 red plate, they just burn it. Same in Marseille, if the car is 06, they burn it around the stadium. The rivalry is huge. And this was always going to be a tight game. Uh, Arkadius Milik and scored a goal. It was, it was really good. Uh, I thought it was a very solid performance from, from, from Marseille, which, which I think they needed. And William Saliba, who was, I thought, really good in that game, was called up by Didier Deschamps on Monday morning. His first ever call-up for France, completely deserved. Former Arsenal star, but William still, still Arsenal. Oh, still Arsenal of star. He's on loan there. Uh, yes, totally deserved. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. He's one of my boys as well. He's from he's Paris, born and bred. Now, I spent, I spent quite a bit of time in, in the south of France and kind of in between Nice and, and Marseille in a place called Antibes. But I kind of get the sense that like Marseille are like the gritty seaport people. Yeah, of course. And Nice, also because their name in English is nice. Yeah. They're kind of slightly more posher, more yeah, feet. You know, they have they have the, the what is it exclusively called the, the promenade des Anglais. Yes, they have that's the, right. You know, like but the real like derby for Nice is Monaco because obviously they they're next to each other. So they're the yes. guys who are even richer than they are. Yeah, and but there's 200 kilometers I think between between Nice and Marseille. However, this is this is more of a derby because, as you say, of the antagonism between the two cities, the way they live, the way they see football, all of that. So it was it was a, it was a great occasion. Marseille more Liverpool. Nice more Chelsea, perhaps? Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Which would make Monaco Man City? (laughs) Well, no, sure. All right. Huge comeback win for Jesse Marsh and Leeds United against Wolves on Friday night. Gab, are they safe now, would you say? Not just yet, because people behind them have games in hand, but... This was what, just, an incredible game. Uh, look, the Turn intensity, around. the enthusiasm. These two, guys, these two guys, you know, earlier we were praising Patrick Vieira, the job yeah. he's done. Honestly, Bruno Lager is a phenomenal, yeah, great, phenomenal manager. Well. I still wonder about the, 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 the sending this off of Rocky Minnis. It's crazy. What? <laughs> that has to be rescinded, surely. And that's the turning point because before that, Wolves and we are have VAR so in control. And I, I don't understand. What, what was Jimenez supposed to do? Uh, do they think that maybe he lifts his leg? Uh, and can't get to the ball, so it's dangerous play kind of thing. I don't know. It was ridi- it was a ridiculous this could call. Cost Wolves a place in Europe, big time, big time, and a lot of money. 
Jules, we're contractually obliged to mention Manchester United in every show. We haven't done it yet. So this is my excuse for bringing them up. Um, Ralph Rangnick flew to watch cricket in the Caribbean. Is this for real? Or he's on holidays in Caribbean? I have no idea what the hell he's doing (laughs) there, uh, why he goes to the cricket. But since it's all about United Conspiracies, Avram Glazer, who is the weirder Glazer brother, um, he was out in the Gulf talking to somebody, uh, I think the Dubai Sports Council. Yeah, that's right. That's He's been right. linked with buying a cricket yeah, team. Yeah, in India for the um, IPL. Can we create some sort of meaningless United nonsense linked to cricket? He apparently wants to use the Manchester United name for the cricket franchise. So certainly that's why the people in Dubai were reporting. Yeah, now, United have said, this so- is not true, this is not possible. Maybe Ralph has been told, hey, you can be our next uh, cricket coach or cricket sports director. Go and get involved in cricket. I don't know. This is this is funny. I mean, that club will never stop to amaze us. Let's be honest here. Uh, come from behind win for Ajax against Feyenoord to stay two points clear at the top ahead of PSV. Also won, Gab. But what did you make of Anthony's record? So he scores the winner. Yeah, and it was huge. It was down, late, so eighty-six or something. And then it's like an injury time, and he pretends he's a cramp. And he just goes down theatrically by himself yeah. by the sideline. And he just stays down. The referee tells him to get off the pitch. He, like, he doesn't do it. I think it was Dusan Tadic comes over, yeah. tries to physically remove him from the pitch. He just generally, I don't, I don't I mean, know. What's wrong with him? Like, <laughs> Such a good player, but so English. I know, incredible. Bad to worse for Bordeaux in Ligue 1. Oh. Home by Montpellier, Jules. Yeah, and that was bad. They were terrible. And then the ultras got involved. Well, they are kind of on the club side because they're sort of quite close to Gerard Lopez, the owner. But I think this one was was one too many. They could not take uh, huge scenes, like quite aggressive and like what you don't want to see with the ultras protesting. Maybe it's a good thing that now it's the international break, so they don't they don't see any of their players for two weeks, or maybe not because it's two weeks when they're going to be so frustrated until the next league game that it's going to stew. It's going to explode. You know, it's going to explode. Remember the old joke about Germans never missing penalties when Mainz got three pens uh, against Armina Bielefeld in their 4-0 win at the weekend. But there's a more incredible stat than that, Gav. Yes, apparently. I, I, I'm not, I didn't know it either. I didn't fair. know. I, I knew nothing about this, but they've apparently converted, converted 36 successful penalties that, in a row. That is incredible. Going back to April 2013. That's is that really true? See, boys and girls. Practice your penalties. You can be successful like Mainz. <laughs> Betis continue their nosedive in La Liga. They're held by Celta, nil-nil. They've won just one of their last eight. Yeah. The wheels have come off for Manuel Pellegrini, right? Yeah, completely. Uh, completely. Between all the games they played in Europe, which they were knocked out as well by Frankfurt in the league. Maybe the pressure as well to be in there, in that race for top four. Uh, maybe it was, was a bit too much for them. I think he struggled as well to find the right formula when Fekir was not there or when maybe the, the things that they were doing with the ball was not working um, but it yeah. would still be a very good season it, it will just be. could have been I still could have been should yeah, have been top exactly. four season much better Gab you mocked Eartha Berlin for the appointment of Felix Maga but after five straight losses he wins on his debut beating none other than Offenheim 3-0 who's laughing now so in my mind I imagine Felix, Felix Maga showing up yeah. reminding everybody that you know he scored a goal in the 1983 European mm. Cup final Yes. Shouting at everybody, not caring because he's old. You know who I am? Sergeant. Yes. You know, I'm Felix <laughs> F. Magath. And the F stands for a rude word. No, um, sometimes people go and respond to yeah. to abuse, you know. Um, I, like, I don't <laughs> I, I don't want to go to him. Yeah. His record for his Magath's record is there for all to see in the last ten yes. years in China with Fulham. If this is the pick me up they need, you know, stay up Why by not? any means necessary. Yeah. Well done, Felix. Lille won at the weekend. They're what, up to fifth or sixth in yeah. Lyon, but 
but there's a big but. <laughs> Sylvain Armand, what is he like? He joins, he's the sporting director, joins yeah. him in February, straight out of WWE. In fact, screw WWE, straight out of my man Paul Heyman and ECW, right? Wow. In, in February, as you said, he had an altercation with Frederic Antonetti, the mess manager. They disagreed on something, went to the technical area. They almost had a fight. And then he did it again at the weekend where he was not happy with the red card that Timothy Weah got uh, and came down from the director's box all the way to the to pitch side, the tunnel, saying like, you know, pointing at people, I'm going to do this to you and your mum. And I kind of, and I was like, whoa. Then smashing the door, smashing everything. And like, hey, yeah. chill out, mate. Man's Just, got anger management issues. Yeah, big time. Atalanta win away at Bologna 1-0 and keep the Champions League hopes alive. But Gav, tell us about the goal scorer, Mustafa Sisse. This is an incredible story. It's a great it story. Is, it's a great goal to start with. It's a phenomenal goal. It's a big win for Atalanta up to fifth. But this guy is 18 years old until February, which I believe is last month. This was in March. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he was playing for a non-league team made up of asylum seekers. He arrived in Italy seeking, uh, seeking asylum. Yeah. Um, Atalanta saw him play. They register to him, and then boom, this guy comes on and scores a phenomenal goal. It's, it's just a just a wonderful story, yeah, an incredible yeah. story. It's a very Atalanta story, yeah, of course. Um, but they're right up there. Jules, we're going to come back later this week. We're yeah. going to come back on Friday, Friday, not Thursday, after the playoffs. Yes, where. Come on, Wales. Oh, there you go. Yes, yeah, big deal. Wales. Yeah, very yeah, impressive. By the way, Ed, in the rugby course, you know. uh, against Italy at the weekend. Italy you expected. had to win. We let you. You know they let you win. You had to win once. Was it thirty-five games without 36 a win? Even, Thirty-six, yeah. even there you go. But yes, we'll be back. We'll be telling you all about the playoffs. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.